illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. How the hell are you doing, Beach? I'm doing just awesome tonight, Billy. Right on. I got my soup salad and breadsticks at the uh, Olive Garden. At, at the Olive Garden for dinner <laughs> tonight, we had a, a little celebration for my. Well, it's kind of a, a sad celebration. My friend Amanda, who passed away, yes. uh, in the car accident about six months ago, um, it was her birthday today. She would have been 31, and uh, so to kind of celebrate her, we all went to dinner at the Olive Garden. And the reason why is because her. Her motto on her Facebook page was, I like I, I like pasta and like three people. Cool. So you went and had pasta. So we went and had pasta and tried to figure out who the three people she liked in the group was. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And now I am here. I've, I've got my crap together. I'm bringing it tonight. Um, it's going to be an awesome. This I think this is going to be our best best podcast of the year. Right I'm on. calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State beers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and screw around every week. All right, I want to remind everyone, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher radio app. You can also listen and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. If you'd like to communicate with us, there's a couple ways. One... You can send us an email, HeinrichTailgater at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Heinrich Tailgater. Or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Heinrich Tailgater. All right, Beach, we're going to start with a little bit of listener feedback today. Okay. I love, you know how I love listener feedback. I, I love the fact that we even have a listener. So that's pretty awesome. Well, this week we know we have at least three. 
Wow, three emails? Yeah, well, one's Kyle. I hate okay. you. I, I hate you, Kyle. But okay. uh, first up, each listener, Kurt, Facebook message us his weekly message. Here's, here it goes. I'm writing this as I wait for my ride to pick me up to take me to the Beaver game tonight and another amazing Heinrich tailgater. Thanks for another entertaining podcast last week. My personal highlight was the Kilkenny incident. He's got that in quotes. He continues, you guys should bicker on the air more often, followed by an awkward silence. It makes for great radio or er, podcast. Maybe schedule one a week. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I know because Billy's a jackass. I don't know. Uh, you were wrong. You just can't admit it. I no, you had, you said there was no freaking Kilgenny that ever played for Oregon State. I'm like, I swear to God there was. Freaking jackass. Anyway, okay, moving on. Let it go. All right. For your Purdue fact of the week, this uh, Kurt's continuing here. 2016 okay. is the 130th anniversary of the Purdue All-American Marching Band, as they officially call themselves. Started as a five-member drum corps from the Student Army Training Corps, that evolved to playing at football games and now numbers up to 389 students. Since the band gains its first director in 1904, only six men have held that seat, an average tenure of almost 20 years. That's crazy. The band claims to be the first one to have formed a unique formation uh, on the football field, a block P in 1907, and currently features a roughly 10-foot diameter drum labeled the world's largest drum that gets wheeled around the band, or gets wheeled around with the band. Such luminaries as astronaut Neil Armstrong, uh, baritone horn, and popcorn magnet Orville Redenbacher, the tuba, have marched at halftime of Purdue home football games. Right on. That's have, pretty... you ever read, have, have you ever read about Orville Redenbacher? He was quite the ladies' man. Really? Yeah, I heard like he always had like women in bikinis and stuff hanging out at his place. Really? Which, I heard that. Yeah, which, I heard he was which, quite the player. Which is funny because I just remember being as the old guy on the Orville Redenbacher heads. Yeah, with the really uh, the bad teeth or really yeah. funky teeth. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I swear to God, I read something about him. We'll have to look this one up for like maybe the next podcast on Orville Redenbacher's debauchery. Well, maybe maybe Kurt can do that. All right. Yeah, since he's a famous uh, since he's a famous Purdue uh, guy. Purdueian. Per per Purdueite. Yeah. Purdueian. Perdon't. I don't know. We also received an email from listener Dano down in Texas. Dano writes, love how this has turned into a genre. Or he talked, the, the, the title of the email was Hell Songs. Love how this has turned into a genre for the year and reminds me of the theme-based mix CDs that we used to have working at Woodstocks and Slice on campus. Heard four different Hell Songs over the weekend on Pandora to add to the playlist. So here's four that he's got. Louder Than Hell by The Cure. Run Like Hell from Pink Floyd, Go to Hell from Megadeth, and Burn in Hell from Twisted Sister. This was also the song that Dee Snyder and the boys were filming their video during the chase scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where Pee-wee finally gets his bike back. Great movie from the childhood. Here in Austin, the sports headlines are filled with demands for Charlie Strong to be fired after last weekend's loss to Kansas, which would still be in full force if they would have beat the Jayhawks in overtime. To be honest, the writing has been on the wall for a while, and I get it to an extent. The money that flows into the University of Texas, the size of the athletic department, the geographic, social, demographic advantages that Austin has over any other school in the Big 12, expectations should be set high. But this makes me appreciate what we have at OSU, the excitement and patience 
that is building around this three-win football team. Excited to see what's in store for 2017. Had fun listening from a distance this year. Appreciate all the Purdue education and enjoy the holiday season. Cheers, y'all. Dano. That was awesome. Thanks, Dano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good. And, of course, we will hear from Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. Later in the in the podcast when we do this week's picks. I, I'm going to have to rewatch Pee-wee's Big Adventure because I don't recall Burnin' Hell being on that uh, on that video. The thing I always remember is how bad the editing was on Pee-wee's Big Adventure because when he's pulling the bike chain out of the bike, you can see it. How you can you can see it being pulled through the thing. Uh-huh. And I also want to say that there might even be a shot where you can see a boom mic, but I'm not positive on that. Well, and there's the part where he's. He's like riding the bike or walking, and you see all the road signs, and you can see they're on a track <laughs> as they're going by. You can see they're like oh, they're on a track, but uh, yeah, well, it was pretty. But it still, it still did well. Oh, it's great. It's uh, it was a very low budget movie. Now the part he's talking about is when he's riding his bike through the uh, movie studio at the end. Okay, okay. And he goes through like the Godzilla movie. All the scenes, yeah. And there, one of the scenes that he goes through, uh, uh, Twisted Sister with, with Dee Snyder is filming their video for Burn in Hell. Okay, now it's coming to me. Okay, okay. You know, I, I love the fact that Pee Wee does a cameo in uh, the Blues Brothers. Yep. So, quite the diverse uh, character, that man. Well, also, Paul... does some, also does some crazy stuff in theaters, too. Yes, well, Paul what's his Rubens. Name? Paul Rubens, Rubens. Yes. Paul Rubens was a member of the Groundlings, which was a improv group in uh, L.A. Okay, that's okay. where that's where that yeah. character came from. And he was the voice of Captain Rex in Star Tours, not to be confused with Captain Rex, who cap who pilots the Heiner Tailgater helicopter. Correct. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. All right, Beach. Let's move on to some Beaver sports news. First up, women, oh. first up, women's volleyball. Oh, God dang it, Billy. Are we going to be able to catch a, a game? Are we done for the year yet? Or are we going to be able to catch some of those lovely women in shorts? Uh, I'm, Short, not, short. I'm not going to be able to do it. Damn it. Okay. So Maddie Gravely set a career best with six blocks and Corey Cheshire led the Oregon State volleyball team with seven kills, adding four blocks of her own as the Beavs dropped a three set match to number nine UCLA Wednesday night at Poly Pavilion. Then Mary-Kate Marshall, Lanisha Reagan, and McKenna Hollingsworth all recorded double-doubles animal style, but the Oregon State volleyball team dropped a five-set match to USC Friday night at the Galen Center. Now the Beavs are 11-18 overall, 4-14 and in the Pac-12, and they return to action Friday, uh, Wednesday afternoon when visiting Cal Berkeley in Berkeley. First service slated for 3 p.m. Then they finish the season, Beach. This Friday at home against the Ducks. Yeah, there's no way we can do it. Yep, not going to happen. Yeah, not with the tailgater and everything else. Yep. Okay, well, what's next on the docket, Billy? Well, actually. Do we still, do we still have any soccer going on? Uh, no, actually, soccer's over. But next mm-hmm. up, we have some wrestling news. The Oregon State wrestling team fell to number 11 Michigan 38-7 at Gill Coliseum on Sunday in the second annual Joe Wells Classic, which was the Bees' home opener. Now, the 24th-ranked Bees earned a major decision from heavyweight Cody Crawford and a decision from 141-pounder Joey Palmer against the undefeated Wolverines, who also won at Oklahoma on Friday night to conclude a cross-country trip with a 2-0 mark. 
Then on Monday, junior 141-pounder Jack Hathaway placed third on Sunday to lead all Oregon State competitors at the Roadrunner Open at Cal State Bakersfield. He went 5-1 overall with three pins and a technical fall. His lone loss was 4 to nothing to All-American Joey McKenna of Stanford. Redshirt freshman Colburn Meeker was OSU's only other placer as he took 6th at 165 pounds. He went 2-2 two two before losing the 5th place match by medical forfeit. Now, 12 Beavers what competed. The hell is a med- what the hell is a medical forfeit? He was probably injured and couldn't compete in the, in the match. Okay. So he had to for- right. or forfeit because of medical reasons. 12 Beavers okay. competed at Bakersfield. Redshirt freshman 149-pounder Michael Carr competed at the Spokane Open the same day but did not place. Now, the Beavers are idle this week. They resume competition December 2nd, 3rd at the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational. Their next duel is December 15th at Utah Valley University. Wow. Yeah. All right, Beach. Well, we, we, sad that we fell, but uh, falling to number 11 when you're number 24, I guess, is, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. All right, Beach. Up so. next is women's basketball. The, okay. the number 18 Oregon State women's basketball team held Portland, the University of Portland, to 27.8% shooting from the floor as it cruised to a 62-45 to win over the Pilots Friday evening at Gill. Then, uh, the Beavs honored the 2015-16 squad in a special pregame ceremony as the team unveiled its Pac-12 championship, NCAA tournament, Sweet 16, Elite 8, and Final Four banners that night. Wow. So, a bunch of banners hanging up from the rafters of Gil Coliseum. Now, the Beavs will make its 2016-17 TV debut Tuesday night, which is tomorrow as we record this. Tonight, as some people listen to it, last night, as a lot of people listen to it, <laughs> when a place host to Marquette at Gill Coliseum. So if you hear this in time, watch the Beavs. Sweet. Yep. Girls basketball is always fun to watch. It's it's very, so. um, it's much more technical than men's. Men's is a lot more athletic, but women mm-hmm. play the game more technically sound. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's, I think that's what makes it fun. So, all right, all right, Beach. And, and, and I don't think, and, and not to knock it, but I don't think there's as much, and you don't see it as much in college anyway, but the, the showboating and stuff, like you said, it's more technical. Yeah. So you don't get to see all the, yeah, egos are kind of put in check. Next up, Beach is men's basketball. Sophomore center Drew okay. Eubanks had 17 points, a career high 18 rebounds, and six blocked shots on Wednesday, but the Oregon State men's basketball team fell 63-60 to to Lamar at Gill Coliseum. Freshman guard Ja'Cory McLaughlin added 15 points, three three-pointers, and three assists in his first career start. However, the Beavs were undone by 27 turnovers that resulted in them in attempting only 47 shots, 24 fewer than the Cardinal. So they lost by three mm. and shot 24 less times. The Oregon State men's basketball wow. team then fell 83-58 to to Nevada on Friday night in a non-conference game at the Lawler Events Center in Reno. Nevada pulled. That's kind of. Well, that was kind of a. That's a killer there. Eighty-three to fifty-eight. Yeah. Well, Nevada pulled away from an early two-to-two tie to establish an insurmountable forty-eight to twenty-five lead at halftime. Now OSU played its third game in a row without sophomore guard Stephen Thompson Jr., its second leading returning scorer from 2015-2016, as he has been out with a minor foot injury. The Beavs resume non-conference action at Tulsa on Tuesday. Their next home game is Friday, November 25th against Fresno State. 
it will be televised by the Pac-12 network. All right. Okay. And B's last sporting announcement for football came just today as announced by the OSU ticket office. The 120th Civil War is officially a sellout. All 43,333 tickets or 330 tickets have been sold. Now, Beach. Okay. Oregon's, That's awesome. Oregon's allotment for the game was 3,400 tickets, and they returned 440. So they took less than 3,000. Yeah. Interesting. So, are we saying the Duck fans aren't really excited to go to the uh, to the game this year? I don't know. So, I was actually surprised. We'll get into it under further review, but I was surprised how many Duck fans uh, went to Utah. It seemed like there were quite a few in the in the. But you know, they've got loyal fans just like the Beavs got loyal fans, and yeah. they're going to travel no matter what they do. Correct. So, but uh, that was quite a few uh, Ducks in the fans there in Utah, and what a game they got to see. Yeah, totally. So, ooh, Billy. Yeah. Do you hear that? Holy crap, is that your teletype going off? It is the teletype, Billy. Hold on here. Billy. Yes, Paige. This just in. U of O students silently protest campus hate crimes. This is a uh, article by Miguel Sanchez Rutledge and Jack Pitcher, uh, I believe, of what's the paper down there in uh, Eugene? The newspaper or the student paper? Uh, the newspaper. Uh, Eugene. Um, Herald. Oh, Herald. Re- right? Register Guard. Register Guard. Okay, this came from the Register Guard. More than a dozen students stood in a circle in front of the Herb Memorial Union on Monday, silently protesting the hate crimes that have occurred on the University of Oregon campus recently. Protesters carried signs and handed out flyers explaining the reasoning for their demonstration. It was necessary for our communities to come together and organize this silent demonstration, mirroring the silence that we are subjugated to every day as underrepresented students, one student said. Now my commentary. What the fuck are you talking about? Hate crimes on campus? You don't have a gosh damn clue what the hell a hate crime is. Calling someone an asshole who happens to be a different color or religion is not a hate crime. It's because the person is probably an asshole. And furthermore, a dozen students don't just con- a dozen students does not constitute a protest. It barely qualifies as a pub crawl. To say some moronic thing like it was necessary for our communities to come together and organize the silent demonstration. Seriously? Twelve people is now communities? As in plural? Are you freaking nuts? Heiner Tailgater has over 300 fans, and we do more good and change more lives than you pieces of shit handing out useless leaflets and pandering to a liberal media that would rather report a dog shitting on a Trump sign, if it could, than to actually report some news. If you want to get people to come together, do something constructive instead of standing out blocking pedestrian access at a piss-poor university that seems to act more like a babysitting service than a place of higher education. Now pull your heads out of your ass and get to class or get a job and quit wasting our goddamn time. <laughs> really? Beach. Tell us how you really feel. Stupid sons of bitches. I mean, I just can't believe that they. I mean, 
12 people and they act as, oh my god, this is so important. I mean, these are the pieces of shit that would be cannon fodder if we had a damn war. You know? Jeez me Christmas. I mean, you talk about causing global warming. These bastards breathing are the biggest problem. Okay. There you go. Sorry. So, a lot of this, and I just can't wait to hear your take on this. A lot of this stems back to, I don't know if you heard about this, there was uh, one of, uh, a law professor had a Halloween costume party at her house. Oh, we reported on this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Right around uh, Halloween time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they, they've, been, they've been all pissed off about that. Because, yeah. you know, it's just blackface, blackface. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm just waiting because I guess it's a blackout day for a civil war, aren't we? Isn't it a black day? I think so. Yeah, and so somebody's probably going to do it because they were probably only 16 when we had the last big eruption of blackface, and God knows there's going to be more protesters there. God, don't people have better things to do? You know, you look at these sons of bitch and protesters, and it's like, don't you people have jobs? If you had jobs and you worked, you wouldn't care, you know? Nobody cares. If nobody gets hurt and, you know, I mean, getting your feelings hurt, you know, freaking A, grow up. I've never seen a bunch of little pansy-ass little bitches like we have these days. Yeah. Huh? So. As, as I like to call it, the pussification of America. And, and that is what we have become. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've always said when you're pissed off at somebody, you're just going to attack them for the thing that's going to tick them off the most. And so typically you're going to pick on them because of, of their sex, their sexual orientation, their race or religion, whatever, right? You, I mean, those are the things that you're always going to pick on somebody on because you go with, it's the things that are more. You go, you go for, you the, go for the juggler. You go for the low hanging fruit. Exactly. Right? You go, you go for the easy you know? stuff. Uh-huh. That's what you're going to do. Well, that's what, that's it, what a lot of says, people do. Yeah. And it, and it says, it says just amount the low quality of the person that's attacking you really when yeah. it comes down to it. And you know what? It's like dad always says, out talk a smart man and outrun a damned fool. So why are you guys wasting time and giving these people attention for their ignorant talking? And again, these stupid protesters are out there, 12 of them. Are you kidding me? You know, all you guys are are guys that are failing in school. And so you're acting as this is justification when you go home and on Christmas break and got to show your crap, your grades to your parents. Well, I know I didn't do very well, but I was out changing the world. Me and my, my, my 11 best friends. Then we went out and got beers. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. All right, Beach. Well, that was a good one. Good one. Didn't didn't expect you to get so fired up. All right. All right, Beach. Well, are you ready to go under for the review for week number twelve in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. Let's do this, Billy. This is. Uh, essentially, this is our. Uh, we've got one week left, and then we have the Pac-12 championship game. Correct? There's no. There's no uh, extra games going on past this week. This next week, right? Correct. Okay. All right, because so- we've had a couple of years. We had a couple of years where we had some floaters out there, didn't we? That went like one extra week after uh, Thanksgiving. Maybe it was an early Thanksgiving or something. Maybe I don't know. But but okay. uh, heading into this week, Kyle was at 53 out of 77. You were at 56 out of 77. And I was one ahead at 57 out of 77. All right, Beach, up first, Washington State at Colorado. Who'd you take? Ooh. Um, I think I took Colorado on this, didn't I? That is correct, Beach. Who did Kyle take? 
I think he took uh, – oh, he took Colorado too. Weren't you the only one that took Washington State? No. Kyle and I both took Washington State. Okay. Cephalaf threw for 345 yards, rushed for 108 more, and scored three TDs. As number 10 Colorado beat number 22 Washington State 38-24 on Saturday in a matchup of unlikely Pac-12 division leaders. Now, Colorado running back Phillip Lindsay added 144 yards rushing and two DDs for the Buffaloes, who can wrap up the south side of the conference if Southern or uh, by beating Utah next week. Now, wow. LaFowl briefly left in the third, fourth quarter, only to return and pick up a crucial third and short that led to a game-sealing TD run by Lindsay. Now, LaFowl becomes the second-ever Colorado quarterback to throw for 300 yards and rush for 100 in a game, joining Steven Montez, who accomplished the feat at Oregon in September, while filling in for a banged-up LaFowl. Now, Washington State quarterback Luke Folk threw for 325 and three scores for Washington State, which had won eight in a row. Now, the Cougs can still win the North Division with a victory against number seven Washington this week. Need, need a drink of water over there, Billy? You sound like you're struggling. I know. This happens every time. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, anyway, that was uh, – I can't believe they their, their quarterbacks rushed – two of their quarterbacks have rushed over 100 yards in a single game. That's correct. You know, I haven't watched uh, much of Colorado. Are they uh, – are they a are they a pretty big option team like Oregon is, where their quarterback makes a lot of moves, or yes. is it just they've got very dynamic quarterbacks? Or yes, both? yes. Okay, yep. cool. So Beach picks up the win there. Wow, you know. Up, up next, Oregon at Utah. Oh, Oregon at Utah. Shoot, I think I blew this one because I think I took Utah. All three of us did. Justin Herbert hit Darren Carrington. Uh, for Oregon for a 17-yard touchdown pass with two seconds remaining to give the Ducks a 30-28 upset victory over number 12 Utah on Saturday night, putting the Utes, the Utes' hopes of a Pac-12 championship in jeopardy. Now, Herbert led the Ducks, who have struggled all season and suffered several lopsided losses on a 10-play, 75-yard drive in just over two minutes, capping it with a TD pass to Carrington. Now, Carrington was originally initially called out of bounds, but the call was reversed after replay showed that he got a foot down in bounds. Now the Utes had taken the lead at 28 to 24 with 218 remaining off a Troy Williams 30 yard touchdown pass, but the ducks began their comeback drive right after. Now Royce Freeman led the ducks ground game with 129 yards. He also scored a one yard pass from Herbert early in the fourth quarter. You know, that just sucks when you take the lead with, with just a little over two minutes left. And, I mean, the the Ducks are, again, they're very good at that final drive. Yeah, where, well, uh, the Ducks did it to the Beavs, what, three years ago? Yeah. At Otson. Mm-hmm. Where the, where the Beavs scored with not much time left. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you think you own it or you think – but, you know, with the Beavs, I never think we own it. But, but uh, you know, when you start you, you start playing a um, – you, you start – keeping the uh you try to keep the big plays down and the little plays just end up destroying you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right beach so none of us got the win there next up stanford at cal Ooh. i think it took stanford on this one all three of us did beach stanford's mid-season slump is becoming a distant memory now that christian mccaffrey is healthy once again and the 24th ranked cardinal are finishing the season in typical fashion with another win in the big game. Now, McCaffrey's 90-yard touchdown run highlighted a record-setting 284-yard rushing performance that led Stanford 
to its seventh straight win in the rivalry game, 45-31 over Cal on Saturday. Now, McCaffrey broke his own single-game rushing record at Stanford of 243 yards, and the big-game record of 226 yards set by Cal's Joe Igber in 2002 to help the Cardinal keep the coveted axe with yet another win over Cal. Now, Stanford matched the longest win streak in the rivalry that dates back to 1892. The Cardinal also won seven straight against Cal from 1995 to 2001. Now, Cal, so Cal quarterback Davis Webb threw for 393 yards and two TDs, and Trey Rotson ran for two scores for the Golden Bears, who are assured they're of a fifth losing season in the past six years and will miss out on a bull bid unless there are not enough six-win teams to fill all the slots. So the big game is a, a couple years older than the uh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because I think Civil War started in 1896. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, because it's 120th anniversary, so I yep, think that would yep, be right. Yep. You are correct. Yeah. Cool. You know, it always surprises me that the Stanford would keep the coveted Stanford axe because it's such a violent tool, and I would think neither of those two schools would really condone such violence or or uh, or anti uh, – what would you call that? Uh, Anti-environmentalism, you know, the terrible thing of cutting down trees and and uh, hurting one another. So find that an ironic symbol of their little fight. I, I always like I always like in the fourth quarter where both the, the the students from each school stand and stare at each other. They do the stare down. Really? You never seen it? No, I'm gonna have to YouTube that. Okay, so the school that has the axe, they're holding it, and the axe is actually like kind of it's kind of framed and in, a, in glass and okay. so they hold it and they who, stand. who gets to who gets to hold it just like this who, student. whoever has it just like some, whatever they just pick some no I, I don't know if it's like student body president or what the students are but it's some student group and they stand there and stare across from each other and they do this stare down and it's just it's kind of funny all right beach so we all got the win there up next arizona state at washington um Hold on, repeat that one more time. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to Google my my little student stare down here. Arizona State at Washington. Ooh, picked uh, Washington on this one. Which is good. All three of us did. Okay. Washington DB, Jockey is king. Second quarter interception awakened the slumbering Huskies as quarterback Jake Browning went on to throw for 338 yards and two touchdowns. And number six, Washington routed Arizona State 44-18 to on Saturday night to stay in the college football playoff mix. Now, Washington's victory sets up one of the biggest Apple Cups ever Friday in Pullman against Washington State, with the winner claiming the Pac-12 North title and a spot in the conference title game. Now, those two teams are tied on top of the North Division standings after Washington State's 38-24 loss at Colorado on Saturday. Now, Browning completed 27-44 of passes, with 12 of those going to John Ross for 95 yards, the fourth most catches in school history. Miles Gaskin ran for 127 yards and 45-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Now, Washington's defense dominated from the outset, holding Arizona State to 48 yards in the first half and just 84 through three quarters before the reserves took over. Arizona State's Manny Wilkins was 20 of 32 passing for 227 yards, but was sacked six times. And Keel Harry had six catches for 114 yards, but the Sun Devils only managed 15 yards rushing. The 15 yards were the fewest allowed by Washington since holding Arizona to minus seven in 2006. 
Now, J.J. Wilson had Arizona State's only touchdowns, catching a pair of fourth-quarter TDs. And if the night needed to be any wackier, Washington linebacker Keyshawn Biera scooped up an onside kick attempt and returned it for a touchdown with 6.03 remaining. Now, Arizona State lost its fifth straight and must beat Arizona to become bowl eligible. Wow. Yep. So we're almost – there could be no – just like there will be no Oregon schools going to a bowl game, there could be no Arizona schools going to a bowl game. Quite possibly. Wow. Yep. All right, Beach, so we all picked up the win there. Are you going to say something? Oh, no, just just that's that was all I got. Okay, Beach, up next, USC at UCLA. Ooh. Did we all take USC on this one? Correct, Beach. USC quarterback Sam Darnold passed for 267 yards and hit Daquan Hampton for two TDs, leading the number 13 USC USC past UCLA 36-14 in the LA Rivals' 86th Crosstown Showdown. Now, Ronald Jones II rushed for 121 yards and two TDs for the Surgeon Trojans, who won their seventh straight game after a dismal start to the season. The, the term, stop for a second, the term Surgeon Trojans, has some funny overtones to it. Just wanted to point that out. That's, Go back to your that's commentary. True. <laughs> now, USC claimed, the, <laughs> USC claimed the victory bell for the second consecutive year, overcoming Darnold's two early interceptions and eventually taking apart UCLA's solid defense for 527 total yards. Now, the Trojans experienced another victory several hours earlier when they huddled around laptops in the team hotel to watch Utah's loss to Oregon, which kept USC in the Pac-12 South race. A few hours after USC finished the regular season next Saturday against Notre Dame, the Trojans could claim the division title if the Utes beat Colorado, which has lost at USC last month. So USC needs to win and Colorado lose for USC to win the South. Okay, okay. But they're still at, they're still in the play. Correct. Now, Jordan Lasley caught two first-half touchdown passes from UCLA quarterback Mike Faithful. Now, after five losses in their last six games, the Bruins are assured their first losing season in coach Jim Mora's half-decade in charge in Westwood. He's been there for six years, or has to, to five years? Yep. Wow. Yep, yep. All right, but you all got the win there. Well, so, and, and who, didn't he replace uh, – did he – forgive me, I might be going off here, but did he replace new what new – he didn't uh, replace Heisel, did he? Who who was in between them? I believe he did replace New Heisel. Really? Yeah. You know, I always thought it was funny because New Heisel got fired the year that he won the Pac-12 North, right? Or Pac-12, Pac-12 South. Yeah, but remember yeah. they they totally uh, backed into it that year. Yeah, because... but I still thought it was funny. Here he, he's the leader of the Pac-12 South. I mean, who cares? You still won the Pac-12 South. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you, you, we're firing you. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of lowbrow. At least at least fire him on a losing season or something like that. Don't don't fire him for at least taking the South. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell, we'd celebrate if it was the if we won the North, even if we sucked and backed into it. <laughs> All right, Beach. <laughs> Uh, last game of the weekend, Arizona at Oregon State. You know what? We're faithful, and we always pick the Beavs, no matter what our odds. And this last week was no different. How do we do, Billy? All right, Beach. Oregon State quarterback Marcus McMarion threw for 265 yards and a career-high five TDs on Saturday night when Oregon State snapped a five-game losing streak 
with a 42 to 17 victory over Arizona. I, I point point of order here, Billy. I'd just like to point out that probably after this game, there were some surging Trojans. Just saying. Go back to your thing. It was the most touchdown passes for a Beaver since 2013. Now, running back Ryan Nall ran for 125 yards and another score, while Jordan Villeman caught six passes for 124 yards and just the second conference win for the Beavers this season. It was the eighth straight loss for the Wildcats, who have been overwhelmed by injuries this season. Now, quarterback Anu Solomon made his first start at quarterback since the opener, but was injured in the first quarter and replaced by Brandon Dawkins, who threw for 106 yards and a touchdown while running for 88 yards on 15 carries. Ryan Nall looked great, by the way. Yep. It still makes you wonder how we would have turned out on some of those games had he been healthy through through those. I completely agree. Now, Oregon State took the early lead on McMarion's 53-yard touchdown pass to Villeman. The Beavers extended the lead with McMarion's 11-yard pass to Nall, who missed last week's game against UCLA because of a lingering foot injury. Now, Solomon, who missed six games with a knee injury earlier in the season, was sacked for a 19-yard loss early in the second quarter and was later seen limping on the sideline. He emerged from the locker room in the second half wearing a boot on his left foot. Now, after Dawkins for Arizona hit Nate Phillips with a 10-yard touchdown pass for the Wildcats, Oregon State's Timmy Hernandez made a diving 27-yard touchdown cast in the end zone to put the Beavs up 21-7. That was a beautiful catch. It was, it was great. Now, Josh Pollock made it a 22-yard field goal for Arizona right before the break. Now, McMarion added a 35-yard scoring pass to Trayvon Bradford and all ran three yards for another score in the third quarter. Now, Samaji Grant ran two yards for Arizona touchdown in the final quarter, but McMarion closed up the game for the Beavs with a 10-yard scoring pass to Artavis Pierce. What a game, Billy. What a game. I have to say that was probably the best, most complete game from the Beavs on all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, we've seen in probably three years. The, the aerial attack, I mean, I felt like we finally had a passing game for once. Yeah. I mean, it's like they were actually hitting. And it's like, yeah. why why couldn't we have been thrown like that for at least a couple of the previous well, games? And I don't know if you realize this, but McMarion was 16 of 19. Wow. And two of those misses were balls that he threw away. Wow. Yeah. So what the hell got into him? Don't know. I mean, granted, Arizona's not very good. But yeah. you still have But to... I mean, our, our passing, our, 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 our offensive passing it's not like our it's not like the other team's coverage has been fail you know has been causing us to fail it's just been a lack of well it's been two things the the quarterbacks not getting the ball to the receivers and mm-hmm. if the quarterbacks do get the ball to the receivers the receivers not catching it exactly yeah and and here they finally start doing both yeah no it was great it was great to see well and like i said that one diving catch i mean they want he wanted the ball i mean he made the play for it. Yes. The ball was catchable, and he made it catchable. Yeah, no, it was great. No. Anyway. All right. Well, it was a great day to be a Beaver. Well, it's always a great day to be a Beaver. It was even a greater day on uh, Saturday. Correct. Correct. All right, Beach, let's look at the Pac-12 in the polls. So in the AP poll this week, Washington is up to number six. Colorado is up to number nine. USC is up to 12. Utah fell to 21. Washington State slipped just a smidge to 23 and Stanford is the top others receiving votes category. Now in the USA today, coaches poll, Washington climbs to number five, Colorado again at number nine, USC up to number 12, Utah slipped 20, Washington state, just a place to 23. And again, Stanford is the top in the others receiving votes category. 
Now, Beach, I was just going to say that um, last week in the playoff polls, because this playoff rankings don't come before we record. So last week, Washington was at 6, Colorado 10, Utah 12, USC 13, Washington State 22, and Stanford 24. So obviously Utah, Washington State, and Stanford are going to drop off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, you have Washington should move up to at least number five um, with their win over Arizona State. They were at six, but Louisville, who was in fifth, dropped out. Should drop because they lost to Houston pretty handily. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine Washington should be knocking on those doors. Now, in this final week, you have Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, and they have to play each other. Hmm. So, theoretically, somebody should fall out of those top four rankings. And if Washington were to win, then they should move up into it. With still championship week games to go. So, okay. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, it's again. I still think in some ways it's a little too political, but they're trying anyway. Oh, it completely is. It always. Is. I was watching, and it was hard for me to watch. I was I was at a bar here a couple of weeks ago. Not that I'm a lush or anything, but you know I got to eat, and uh, they had. And unfortunately, I couldn't hear the um, the narration, but it was talking about one of the first championships, uh, and it was Richard Nixon actually gave the team the win. Because it was him, it was Alma Mater, and he was president at the time. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the what the uh, deal was. I well, think did he did he go to um, shoot? I can't remember. But there was a whole documentary done on this this the year Nixon influenced the uh, the national championship because essentially they're two number ones like there always is. Well, part of it too is Beach. There used to be. They used to hand out the national championship before bowl season. Okay. So the, the national championship would just be crowned at the end of the regular season, and then they'd do the bowls. That's how it used to be done a long time ago. Okay, and I think that's what it was, because after the bowl games, the, the one team that should have gotten it won, and the team that did get it lost. Yeah. I think that was the, the issue. Like I said, I was watching it. They saw Nixon, but I couldn't make heads or tails of it because, uh, well, there's music playing and not the uh, audio of the TV show. Mm-hmm. Where were you at? Uh, I was at the Oswego Grill in Wilsonville. It's my new favorite place. They've got this stuffed chicken. Yeah. Uh, it's it's stuffed with, uh, what is it, cheese, and it's got a caper sauce over the top of it. Served with uh, pasta and asparagus. It's really good. Better than what I could cook myself. Okay, Beach. So here we go. Okay. This is 1969. Texas versus Arkansas. What was dubbed the game of the century. It was played on December 6th, 1969. In which number one Texas visited number two Arkansas at Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. The, Long Carn- the Longhorns came back from a 14-0 deficit after three quarters to win 15-14. They went on to win the Cotton Bowl Classic and were selected as national championship. Okay, here's the controversy. Um, this, is, this is the 
Texas-Arkansas game. So Okay. President Richard Nixon attended the game along with several members of his staff and U.S. representatives George H.W. Bush of Texas and John Paul Hammerschmidt of Arkansas, having announced that he would give a plaque to the winner, proclaiming it to be the national championship, to the chagrin of observers who thought it premature to do so before the New Year's Day bowl games, and of fans of Penn State, which would also end the season undefeated. Yeah, because it was Penn State that was pissed off. Yeah. Arkansas took a 14-0 lead and held it in the fourth quarter, but Texas came from behind to win 15-14 and accepted Nixon's plaque. Texas then beat Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl Classic and removed any doubt as to whether it observed consideration as a national champion, although Penn State fans still insist that their team, also undefeated and winner of the Orange Bowl, was better. However, it is worth noting that the Cotton Bowl Classic first invited Penn State to play the Southwest Conference champions. The Nittany Lions declined the invitation due to segregation issues and went to Miami where they defeated Big 8 champion Missouri. This decision was made while Ohio State was still ranked number one with only one game to play, so at the time, it did not appear the national title game was likely to be at stake. The 69 Texas-Penn State conflict never settled on the field has been one of the major arguments in favor of a Division 1A playoff. Arkansas lost the Sugar Bowl, the 70 Sugar Bowl, to Old Miss, led by Archie Manning. The entire Texas-Penn State debate and Nixon's involvement led to a quote from Penn State coach Joe Paterno, a conservative Republican, during a commencement speech at Penn State in 73 about Nixon. Quote, I've wondered how President Nixon could also could know so little about Watergate in 73 and so much about football, college football in 1969. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever know that story? Uh, no, I did know this, though. I, well, I, I knew parts of it. I didn't realize the, the Richard Nixon angle. But the game has been nicknamed Dixie's Last Stand since it was the last major sport American sporting event played between two all-white teams, although most of the teams in the South, Deep South did not integrate until the mid-1970s. Hmm. So. It's interesting. Wow. Yeah. We always bring a little different view on things, I think, in our podcast. I wonder if, uh, wonder if our audience appreciates that. I hope so. Two, two, two dudes BSing across the Skype connection, recording for everybody else to listen to. And uh, we, we get sidetracked all the time like squirrels everywhere. Yep. So. All right, Beach. Okay. What's up next, Billy? What's on the agenda? The Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Now, every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, Dan O'Kai hit it on it earlier. We're going to talk about leadership now texas coach charlie strong says he's not been told he has lost his job at texas despite reports that a decision to let him go has been made now quote i've been told will be evaluated at the end of the season end quote is what strong said at his monday news conference now, is, te- is, is the man in denial well texas athletic director mike perrin said the same thing in a statement sunday night now, Strong said that he met with his team after ESPN, among other outlets, reported that he will be fired. Strong said he told the team, there's a lot of reports out there. There's no reason for you to worry about me. Now, amid the turmoil, some Texas players have reportedly discussed boycotting the last game against TCU. The Austin American Statesman reported that upperclassmen are trying to intervene to calm the situation. Now, Strong has said that his team will show up for TCU. He said, quote, they will not boycott this game. They know this game is about the seniors. That's not going to happen. 
He added, I told them not to quit on me, and I wouldn't quit on them. Now, Texas wide receiver Ja'Cory Warwick, excuse me, Ja'Cory Warwick was the adamant that players will not boycott the game and said he hopes that dozens of Longhorn players who came to Strong's news conference to show their support sent a message. Warwick said he doesn't have the support, I guess, of some of the people who are trying to get him out. But the people who really matter, the players, you can see where our support lies. Now, Texas wide receiver, oops. Strong said that the rumors and reports have put pressure on the five and six Longhorns and that Texas was not playing, was playing not to lose recently. Now, Long said, or Strong said, when they're playing the way they're playing, they're playing for the coaching staff. I can see the frustration. Now, with tears streaming down his face, defensive tackle Paul Boyette Jr. offered a passionate defense of Strong's tenure at Texas, arguing his coaches deserve more than 36 months to turn the program around. Boyette Jr. said, in my heart and in my spirit, I want him to be here. I don't make the decisions. I'm not the head man in charge. All I can do is pray and hope for the best. I can't say enough about it. Now, Boyette Jr., who's a senior, said it leaves a bitter taste in his mouth to think another head coach could come to Texas next season and reap the benefits of Strong's three years of building. If they hit the jackpot, they go to a national championship, win the Big 12, they'll know who got him here, Boya Jr. said. Now, Strong is 16-20 and 20 overall, 12-14 and 14 in Big 12 play in three seasons with the Longhorns. If he coaches Friday against TCU, Strong will clinch either a bowl bid or his third seven-loss season. Strong said Monday that he wants to return next season and feels that a young Texas team has a lot of upside. If he is fired, however, Strong will be owed $10.7 million buyout for the remaining two years of his contract, a fee that would be reduced if he takes another job. Strong's situation came to a head after Texas lost 24-21 in overtime to a Kansas team that was 1-9 and had lost its last 19 Big 12 games. Wow. So, Beach, this just, it just, it just pisses me off. If you're going to fire the man, fire the man. Mm-hmm. Don't leave him flapping in the wind. Don't leave that those kids flapping in the wind. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's what they see either. They don't realize the the ramifications of termination. I mean, you've got these kids. They need to know direction too. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent. Make the gosh damn decision. Exactly. Because in my in my in my gut, he's gone. Oh yeah. Well, you can't. The rumors can't be flying that solidly out there and not have the truth in them. Yeah. And, and if they're saying, oh, we, they've already made the decision, well, the decision's not made. No, they haven't wrote and written it down yet. The decision was made. They just haven't put it on paper. Exactly. Yeah, just, don't, don't, be, don't, don't be using technicalities and BS like that. Call it what it is. I completely agree. Completely agree. And it's just like I said, it pisses me off. And if you're going to fire the guy, fire the guy. The same thing goes for Helfrick down there in Oregon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a dead man walking and nobody wants to call it. Yep. So for Mike Perrin, we did though. We called it here first. Yep. Mike Mike Perrin and all those making the decisions down at University of Texas. This week's Jackass of the Week award. <laughs> is for you. Enjoy it, you. They should be working at an all-girls college because none of them have any balls. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right, Beach. Well, it is now time for our weekly musical interlude, and we are on the hell theme. Now, next week is going to be Kyle's choice. Okay. 
or for civil or for a Pac-12 game, we you said Kyle's gonna have a choice. Oh, that's right, that's right. That's All right. right. Yeah. So this week, I've had a lot I've been thinking about. So uh, there's songs that that uh, Dano mentioned earlier. I've also I was also thinking possibly Green Hell by the Misfits. That's well, kind of fitting for a Civil War. Yeah, or or the cover version by Metallica is pretty good. I was also thinking possibly the Hell song by Sum 41. Another, okay. another good one. I was also thinking Hotter Than Hell by Kiss. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking To Hell with the Devil by the Ooh. hardest rocking Christian band Striper. That's a, Actually, that's a pretty good song. Yeah. They play that on Hair Nation a lot. But I'm thinking this week... We're going to go with little ACDC and Hell's Bells. Because I couldn't think of a better way to ring in the Civil War than with a little bit of Hell's Bells. Good call. Anything you want to say? You know, I, there, there's a lot of Hell songs out there by ACDC. Yes. Um, and so um, Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be. We played that earlier. Yeah, and... and uh, so it kind of fits the AC. I, I've tried to stay away from ACDC because we had our whole year dedicated to them, but it's but, a good call. But but, you know, but we didn't play Hell's Bells. We played Highway to Hell. We never played Hell's Bells? Nope, we played Highway to Hell. But when we did Back in Black, we played Back in Black. Wow. And did we? I think we did talk about the intro to uh, – because Hell's Bells is the first song on Back in Black, and the bells are to ring in – hell to let him know that bon scott's coming yep so so we're gonna i think this week we're gonna ring the bells to let him know that the black bandits from benton county are gonna be coming so here we go with hell's bells
love that song, Beach. Yeah, you know, I can listen to pretty much any ACDC song, but that one is good. Pretty much. So, Kyle, you're you're on you're on notice. You have to play. You have to pick a hell song next week. And you got to bring it, Kyle. None of this pussyfoot and crap that you typically do. None of well, I had talked to my kids, and they said that we should play. I don't know something really stupid that Kyle's kids always pick. So <laughs> I, I don't think his little girls are gonna know a hell song to play. Uh, not, not, not that you're, not that I don't like your little kids. I just think that their 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 picks on football teams and songs are probably going to be limited. Yes. Uh, so I, I will have to say, there's another hell song you can add. I, I don't think I don't think Veggie Tales has any songs about hell, do they? At least not in those words. You have you do have Weird Al Yankovic with Nature Trail to Hell. Ooh, that's a good one. I almost picked that one this week. <laughs> so. Homicidal main or was it suicidal maniac? Hom- homicidal maniac. Homicidal finds a Cub Scout troop and, and hacks, hacks two or three. Two or three in every scene. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, Bill and Beach are Weird Al fans. Oh, I've seen Weird <laughs> Al in concert. I have too. Did we see him? Where in the hell did we see him? Was that up in Washington? Clark County. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah, that was funny. He came out in the fat suit and everything. That yeah, was awesome. <laughs> All righty, Beach. So it is God, not. I love our lives. I know. You know we great lives. We do. We do crazy crap. All right, Beach. So next up is going to be our week thirteen preview for the Pac-12. Final okay. week of the regular season. Now heading into this week, the tallies are: Kyle, fifty-four out of eighty-three. Beach, fifty-seven out of eighty-three. Sorry, that's not right. No, you. you no, something's wrong there. So you can't do the Kyle at fifty seven out of eighty three. Okay. Bill at sixty one out of eighty three. And Beege at sixty one out of eighty three. Look at that. I brought it back right at the end to make it interesting. How exciting. I'm sure all of our listeners are just on uh, on the edge of their seats waiting to find out what happens next. Alright, Beege. So here we go. Alright. So all the games are oh wait, we have two games on Friday and Five games on Saturday. Okay. So first up, Friday. First up, number six, Washington at number 22, Washington State for the Apple Cup. Who do you have? I think Washington's going to take it. I I vote Huskies. I just don't think. I think Washington State's got a good aerial attack, but I just don't think they got an all-around game. Mm-hmm. And I think they've been successful, you know, by a strong offense and, and just a little bit of luck. But I think their luck's going to run out on uh, against Washington. I do, too. I'm taking Washington. Uh, Kyle says, last weather, regular season of the weekend. How did that happen? Washington at Wazoo. Best Apple Cup in a while. Cougs win and seal the fate that no Pac-12 team will be in the top four. And everyone is like, them damn cougs can eat a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> wow, Kyle. Wow. What are they going to eat, Kyle? Can you please blah, blah, blah that for me? You can't blah, blah, blah that. <laughs> you did. It's like, it's like yada, yada, yada. You can't yada, yada that. All right, Beach. Next up on Saturday, Arizona State at Arizona. What do they play for? They play for the Golden... Ticket? I don't know. They play for the Territorial Cup. Oh, there we go. There we go. 
because of the famous Arizona Territory. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was there an Arizona Territory? Yes. Okay. Who do you got? Um, you know, I don't know. This is like the battle of two really bad teams. Um, and I'd like to think that Arizona could pull one out of their hindquarters and uh, and not become completely defeated in the Pac-12 for the year. But then again, I would like them to be completely defeated in that way. They make sure that they keep Oregon State maybe in the uh, the upper part of the bottom third. <laughs> uh, let's go with Arizona State. Okay, I too am taking your Arizona State. Kyle says, Arizona State at Zona, ASU gets the Territorial Cup. See, Kyle knew. Why'd you ask me? Kyle knew. Okay, up next, Beach. September, or uh, November 26th on Saturday. First up, Notre Dame at number 13, USC. This is always a classic. Do they play every year? Yes. It's part of their, like, their contract. Is Notre Dame still at large, right? They, they, they're better than everybody and aren't in a group? Yes, they're independent. Independent. They still suck, and they're going to get their asses kicked by USC. Mm-hmm. So you're but, taking USC? Uh, hell yes, I am. Now, what do they play for? Um, I didn't know they had, they played for anything. I just always love the touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know. What do they play for, Billy? Are you there? Yep. Did I lose you? Okay. What do they play for? The Golden Shillelagh. Oh, that's right. The classic golden shillelagh. Now, do you play that with a stick or do you play it with your fingers? It's like a stick, Beach. Oh. You know what a shillelagh is? Oh, I was thinking of a ukulele. <laughs> okay. <ass>. Okay. <laughs> what is a shillelagh, Billy? It's like a big, it's like a weapon. It's like a big knotted. Spear? No, it's like a big knotted, uh, almost like a cane type thing with a big knot on it, and they swing it like a club. Look it up. It's, it's not a shillelagh. It's a shillelagh. 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 Yeah. Whatever. It's a shillelagh. I don't know. There's a dude here smoking a joint, according to Google Images. Anyways. It looks like a stick with a knot on the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it kind of looks like maybe something they'd use in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and it looks like they'd walk with it like a cane. Yeah, yeah. And then turn around and whack somebody's head with a big knot. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Beach. So we're all taking USC. Up next, here's a good one. UCLA at Cal. UCLA at Cal. Um, Okay, I'm still looking at the Google images here, uh-huh. and I don't know how shillelagh you get like a lot of women and young girls and stuff, unless they're all named shillelagh. Uh-huh. But then there's a picture of a dorky kid in like a uh, like a what do they call that kind of a striped checkered look vest, and it says, "Ask for rubber in Mr. Allison's class gets hit in the face by a shillelagh." I don't get it. Anyway, um, all right, made me laugh though. Um, the uh, where was I? Sorry, squirrel. Um, Caladucla, right? Mm-hmm. Who? Um, you know what? I'm going with Cal, only because it's at Cal. Okay. 
Well, Kyle says, you hear Kyle says, Cal has more experience fighting for a win during a disappointing season. Cal. Wow. I too have taken Cal. I, why do you keep copying me, Billy? I already have my picks written down. Yeah. Yeah. How do, how does any, how can any of us verify that? Go back and listen to the past past shows. Okay. Up next page. How's that supposed to verify anything? (laughs) I was hoping you just missed that. You're like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, Beach. Up next. Utah at Colorado. Ooh. Number 21 versus number nine. You know what's in my head right now? Nope. The classic John Lennon song with the beautiful and quite, uh, uh, what would you call that, intoxicated? Yoko Ono? You think she's beautiful? No, I said intoxicated, not intoxicating. Oh, I thought you said the beautiful. No, no. So, so no, I'm I'm going with because you know she sings the song Revolution Number Nine. Number nine. Says, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Yeah. So nine. I'm gonna go with number nine, Colorado. <sighs> All right, I too am taking Colorado. Ky- quit copying me. Kyle says Colorado clinches Pac-12 South. So he too is taking Colorado. All right, Beach. Up next is Rice at number 24, Stanford. Hmm. A lot of Asians go to Stanford. I bet you they like Rice. Wow. (laughs) Wow, and that is why there's 12 people outside of the University of Oregon picking <laughs> oh golly! Uh, you, you can laugh at that, Billy. I thought it was funny. Wasn't that funny? <laughs> oh, because you know Asians they eat a lot of rice, so if you get that, uh-huh. that yeah, you're just an ass tonight. You just like you're gonna have that silent, uncomfortable pause, and then you're gonna move on. Um, we're gonna take Stanford. All right, I too, I'm taking Stanford. Kyle says, Condi? Stanford. <laughs> See, he made a little rice joke there, too. Mm-hmm. Mine was a little bit more risque. Right. And, yeah. yeah. All right, Beach. Up last, Oregon at Oregon State. <sighs> Did a lot of thinking about this. Did some prayerful uh, thought, lit a couple candles at church, and I'm going to go with Oregon State for the win. All right. I, too, am taking the beeves. Kyle said, Oregon at Oregon State. It will be glorious. Going with the beeves on this one. So, let's hope. Did he say glorious? Yeah, it's going to be glorious. Glorious. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of... Uh, movie old school where he thinks he's dying. He says, I saw blue. He looked glorious. 
Meatloaf, Ma! I need Meatloaf! It's not even the same movie. Oh, sorry. What was that one from? Oh, Wedding Crashers. Oh, some Wedding Crashers, you dumbass. Sorry, it was close. It was close. Yeah, well, yeah, they both had Will Ferrell in it. Uh-huh. It's good enough. It's a Will Ferrell movie. I think so. They both had Vince Vaughn in it, too, didn't they? Uh-huh. Exactly. All right, Beach. And who does Will Ferrell support? What college did he go to? USC. Exactly. Which has nothing to do with anything, but I thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> you dumbass. All right. All right, Beach. So, great tailgater last week. Uh-huh. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. A ton of people showed up. How, how many wieners did you give them, Billy? How uh, many wieners? Did you go we, we went through all 80 uh, bacon wrapped dogs, plus quite a bit of my 10 pounds of uh, tequila lime chicken. That chicken was good. And and probably most of those bags of uh, of uh, queso. Yeah. My churros were really – I like the churros. Churros went well. Yeah, I was the, they they turn out really really good. Yes. So, are we doing churros next week or are we not going to do the Traeger next We're week? We're not going to bring the Traeger out. Just just down and dirty deep fry and grill that crap up, throw it on a counter and let people eat. Correct. Okay. Correct. And I will be making my special Oregon brownies for the game. Ooh. Yeah. With that special University of Oregon ingredient. I was going to clean my room, but then I got high. There you go. Um so, uh, and we'll be doing, of course, cheesesteaks. Yes. Mm-hmm. The second coming. And I'm excited this week, Beach. Are you? Yeah. How, how many people do you think we're going to feed at this one? I, I was telling somebody I tried to invite them to the game. They'll probably say no. But um, I was figuring we're probably going to go through 130 cheesesteaks. Is that, is that kind of what you're guessing? Yeah. I'm going to bring out probably about uh, – 120 some odd buns is what I'm thinking. Okay. Because I've got some left from last week, and I'm going to take us up to be about 120 ish. Okay. So. Well, and it's an early game, so that's going to be tough. But when what time are we going to start cooking? Around nine. Nine o'clock. I'm going to get them going. Okay. And if cool. we and if we need to keep cooking cheesesteaks longer than than we normally do, we're just going to keep cooking them. Okay, I'll, I'll still shut down the uh, yeah, because you, everything else we can start breaking down on. Yep, and I'm going to cut down on the amount of stuff we bring out. Mm-hmm. And we'll be doing cheesesteaks and deep fried stuff, and that's it. And if we don't have any bad or inclement weather, we could even leave the tent up until after the game since it's such an early game. Um, I think the French have a word for how the weather's going to be this weekend. Okay, what's the, what's the French call it? Chate. Uh, Chate. Chate. Okay. Or, or or as like as my youngest son Gunner likes to call it, they have the French have a different word for it. Crapé. 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 <laughs> I, I like chate, he likes crapé. Okay. So yeah, I think that's what it's gonna be. So all right, good to know. I didn't know that we were calling it this far out, but I guess we have a seven-day forecast, don't we? Yeah. Or a ten-day forecast. Well, I, so. I, I know. I Is know. it going to be windy or just rainy? I think just rainy. Okay. And just rainy. So, but anyways. So, anyways. Um, but hopefully, Beach come out with a win. I'd love to see it. All right, Beach. Uh, question. Do we have a 
uh, Rosie Ruiz, Cheaters and Horrors tonight. She's just a girl. She's a ball. I do have a little bit of a Rosie Ruiz cheaters and horse tonight. All right, go ahead. I was in I was in fine form today. Okay, cheaters and whores. I, I'm taking this a little bit politically, and I'm just fi- finishing up my run. Okay. Okay. So, cheater and cheaters and whores. You got it. We often talk about cheaters and whores, but we have never really defined it. So today, that is what I'd like to do. Now we all know what a cheater is. It's probably one of the first words we learn on the playground. That guy's a cheater. Someone will yell. Well, a cheater is that person who does something dishonest to gain an advantage. That could be in life, at work, or at play. But what of the whore? Well, according to the Urban Dictionary, a whore is a prostitute, someone who has sex for money. But the word has since broadened to mean anyone who is money-hungry. Whores traditionally hoard their bodies out for money, but today a whore can be a person that compromises himself or herself in any kind of way for monetary gain. So I'd like to ask our audience. Who do you see as a good example of a whore? My recent election, uh, I I see, or uh, after my recent election, I see most of our elected officials as whores. They all take money and compromise themselves for personal, political, or economic gain. What I find funny is that many of them don't need the money to win. If they're doing their job properly, they should be able to win re-election by their own efforts. But instead of relying on those efforts, almost all take money for from corporations, organizations, and groups to finance expensive re-election campaigns. And most of those donors are not located or even do business in the state that the candidate is running in. I guess what I find the most sad is that when a prostitute works, the only two people that get screwed are the whore and the john. But in politics, the two groups that gain are the politician and the donors, and we, the voters, are the ones that end up needing the penicillin. So there you go. There's my cheaters and whores for the day. That's pretty good. More, more of a statement than a fact, but uh, it is. But, but, but I, I just I felt I need to take. You know, I've I've taken the cheaters and whores in different directions before, and I felt this one was just kind of more or less defining what a whore is because we never really have defined it. No, but I mean, we kind of defined it when because we call Oregon a bunch of whores. That's true. That's I, mean, true, I think it's I think it started with me calling a bunch of cheaters and whores. Yeah, it did. So, so, but a lot of people just take it to mean a prostitute, and it's not. So, so, anyway, there you go. Cheaters and whores. All right, Beach. Well, I want to thank everyone listening to show number 87 of Elite Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and also HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Music Store. If you do, please leave a rating review. You can also listen to us on your iPhone or Android device with the Stitcher Radio app. Beach. Billy. It's been great. Next week, show number 88. And hopefully discussing a Beaver's win in the Civil War. Anything to add? I'm looking forward to it, Billy. Go Beavs.
Yes. So, um, a needle pulling thread. La, a no to follow. So, oh. Yeah, I was at that castle. Thank you very much. I walked around those gardens. I went to the house, and it's a lie. It's not pretty inside. It's a rough old bastard. And I would have danced in the gazebo, but it was locked. Oh, and you know, uh, what's her name? The chick that played, what's her name, died not too long ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, Liesel? Liesel. 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 Yeah. That would be Liesel. It's amazing to me when you think, I mean, um, I mean, think, I mean, Julie Andrews is getting up there, but I mean, you think of the movies that she did. She was, she was really a young thing when she did those movies. Yeah, she was in her early 20s when she did that. Yeah. So, because, now did she do that before or after Mary Frickin' Poppins? Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins was first. Okay. And Mary Poppins, because of the wig and everything, she looked much older. I think, and her personality in that movie. Pretty much. Um, I'm going to be a little dirty, so just letting you know that you're going to have some bleeping. Okay. I've been putting this down as explicit lately. Okay. Just let people go. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready when you are, dog. Welcome to Illegal Participation. Let me get some more water first. (laughs) You're going to leave that in? That's awesome. (laughs) Sibilance. Sibilance. Check one. (laughs) Check two. Sibilance. Sibilance. Hi. So tonight the boys and I were doing something. I went bat, 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 and they looked at me like you're an idiot. So then I showed Gun the YouTube video of Fred doing it, and Gun goes, "Oh," and I'm like, "See, now you'll get it next time I do that. It won't just be Beach." All right, I like it. How'd I do? Good, 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 good. I like. Did you like? Did you like my tirade? Yeah, it was pretty good. That was kind of nuts. Well, you know, I'm I'm trying. I'm like, what can I talk about? Because what I was going to do is talk maybe like, you know, Oregon is developing a new type of sneaker that uh, shrinks up three inches when the, when the receiver gets into the end zone. Game <laughs> is put in bounds. But then I'm like, no, no, that's too hard to, to tell off in a story. And then I'm like, I wonder what the hell's going on in Eugene. So I did a Google search and come across this article. I'm like, are you freaking shitting me? Twelve people acting like morons get get press. Uh-huh. That just makes me sick. And that's when I went off. So. Anyway. So. Okay. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Can I go to sleep here? Okay. And I'm going to edit this tomorrow. How are you doing? Uh, I'm going to uh, call it a night. So, actually get a haircut and then call it a night. Right on. So. The new, the four new garbage cans arrived today. Four new garbage cans? Yeah, remember you talked? Oh, sweet, yeah, the black and orange ones, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have plenty of garbage cans on Saturday. Sweet. And um, then uh, hopefully it'll be a good tailgater. I'm looking, awesome. f- I'm looking forward to cooking cheesesteaks this week. Yeah, I'm kind of stoked too. Yeah, it should be fun. 
Yeah, you're going to be cooking your ass off. I'll deep fry, but I'll, I'll assist as you need. Yep, 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 yep. So it should be good. All right, cool. All right, later, Beach. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.